Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 65. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week we're talking with Greta Eskridge, author of the new book, Adventuring Together. And adventure misadventures really draw us together, sometimes even more so than when everything goes according to plan, because in the midst of struggle, we pull together. And then they make great stories later, and that's actually one of our family mottos is, it will make a great story later. We'll also share about a few exciting things coming up in the Wild and Free community. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. I used to worry that what we did for homeschool didn't look like work. I don't anymore. I used to become insecure when other parents described how long it took their children to do their homework at night. Now, I feel sorry for them. When children's play intersects with their desire to learn more and deepen their understanding, it is work. The other day, my eldest son was noodling on his laptop when I told him to put it away. He was researching animation techniques, and it wasn't the normal designated time for him to be on it. But you're on your laptop, he said. I'm doing work, I explained. He bit his tongue as if he might burst. But so am I, he erupted. I paused for a moment, looked into his eyes, and realized he was being earnest. Just as I thought the importance of working on what I was doing preempted all other activities at the time, my son felt the same way about his research. And he was right. What he was doing may not have looked like work, but that didn't mean he wasn't working. I watched him adjust his characters, trying to make their movements appear more natural. I observed him studying the experts, trying to apply their techniques to his own projects. It looked like play to me, but I concede that he was doing actual work. With the right amount of passion and commitment to practice, our children are capable of becoming experts in their fields of study. They do the hard work of inventors and mathematicians through a complicated process called play. Let's call it skillful play. As you become a student of your child, you will see their unique gifts and passions blossom. They already have a pretty good idea of how to go about this, but there are many ways to encourage skillful play. From manipulatives and board games to music and outdoor play, there is nothing holding you back from creating a play-based curriculum except a little research and creativity. Observe when your kids are hard at play. That, my friend, is the spirit we all need to do great work. Be careful not to squelch it in them, but rather look for ways to support it. You may wish for them to show the same passion for all their subjects, but rest assured they are developing the hard work ethic they'll need to accomplish other things throughout their lives. Purchase a curriculum if you must. Schedule your days for peace of mind. But remember that fostering relationships, engaging with your children in their natural habitat, and encouraging curiosity and wonder in them are more important than you could ever know and make time for play. We'll hear from Greta Eskridge in just a moment. But first, I wanted to let you know that our new content bundle, Soil, is now available to Wild and Free members. We tend to nurture the fruit we see in our children. 
their passions, their behavior, their accomplishments. We see something growing and we want to help it grow bigger. But the source of all that beautiful growth lies in the soil, not the sky. To reawaken wonder in our homes and subsequently our homeschools, we must bring our soil back to life. This month's Soil Bundle is filled with articles, tutorials, stories, and resources to nurture the soil of your own homeschool. If you subscribe this week, you'll not only get access to the new bundle, but you'll also get last month's bundle midsummer in all our conference recordings. We'll even put a welcome kit in the mail that includes your very first issue of the Wild and Free print magazine. To learn more and sign up, go to bewildandfree.org bundles. Greta Eskridge is a second-generation homeschooling mom who is a regular contributor to Wild and Free and just wrote her new book, Adventuring Together. She and her husband, Aaron, have been married for 22 years and have four children. They strive to fill their lives with creativity and a passion for the things they value in life. Art, books, nature, adventuring, and pursuing deep relationships with family and friends. She recently sat down with Jennifer Pepito to talk about how to create a lifestyle of adventure with your family. Let's listen in. I'm so excited to chat with you. While we're podcasting, it's early summer, and so our family is planning a few little road trips, and we've been up over the mountains, hiking up to the hot springs, and kind of, you know, adventuring together is one of the ways that we feel has made our family strong. So I'm excited to talk to you about how families who maybe are kind of feeling a little bit nervous about adventures can get started. Sounds great. It's what I love to talk about. It's what I love to do. Totally. And one of the things that I think is a unique about you, Greta, is that you actually live somewhere that I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think, ooh, adventure <laughs> in Southern California. You know what I mean? And yet right. you have found like nature adventure galore in Southern California. So tell us a little bit about how you got started adventuring with your family. Well, actually, when my kids were really little, so see, I'm going way back. Um, <laughs> I remember multiple times people telling me when I go out with like, you know, my five, three and one year old, they would say, oh, it's so wonderful to see you with your little kids, but just wait till they become teenagers and, and uh, enjoy it now. I, I'm kind of rebellious and I would hear that and I would think, you know what, um, that's not going to be my story. I, I have to do something different. And so I just, I thought, well, how can I intentionally build relationships with my kids that are going to last so that when we get to the teenage years, my kids aren't saying, I don't want to be with you, or I'm saying, I don't want to be with you. And for me, the way that I determined to do that was by having adventures with them. I, I chose adventures because what I found being a mom, again, of little kids was that when we were home together, it was harder for me to just fully step into being with them because there were the distractions of, oh, I need to get the baby down for a nap or I'm potty training or it's snack time or I'm cleaning up, you know, toys. There was just all the the things that, you know, surround you in the early days of motherhood. And I thought, how can I step away from that for a little bit of time and just really be totally present with my kids and, and not be, um, not feel the tug of all the things that I need to do as a mom. And so I decided we're going to just go on adventures. We're going to be outside together and we're going to spend this dedicated time where we're both excited about 
the world around us. And we started weekly adventures together, me and the kids at first. And then we had a group of friends that joined us and we've been doing it together once a week for gosh, like 11 years now. That's amazing. That is amazing. Like (laughs) for one thing, just the consistency of doing something Once a week for 11 years, I mean, that is like a habit that probably now if you have to miss it, it feels really bad. It does. Quarantine uh, was really hard for us because we crave that consistency, but also it provides variety too. So it's just this really unique combination of the comfort of this habit, but also bringing newness into our life as well and, and missing it was really hard. That's the longest we've ever missed it. Even when I've been pregnant or had a newborn, we didn't miss this this many. So tell me a little bit about how you adventure with babies though, because I, I remember, I mean, we went on one trip to Yosemite when I had probably four or five young kids. And so my husband had one in a backpack mm-hmm. and I had one in a front pack. And then you're trying to like mm-hmm. go up the Vernal Falls trail oh or something God. and you're just dying because it's so steep and you're trying to make sure no little, you know, the children who are too big to carry, but not quite big enough to manage their own bodies well, you know, making sure they don't run off the edge or something. So how do you How did you do that, especially in a big group? Like, how did you adventure with not just your own small children, but a group of other ladies with their small children? Well, like I always say when I'm asked this, is it's not easy. Like, I'm just going to be totally honest. It's not easy, but it doesn't last forever. So um, you just you just have to do it. Like, like there's no magic formula. However, being with a group did help because you know if I was taking them out alone. I would have a baby on my front, a backpack on the back and, you know, trying to keep up with the toddler. And then my two boys that were a little older, they'd want to run ahead and and trying to manage all of that on my own was hard. But when, when we were with a group, we would kind of, us moms would divide and conquer. So some of the moms that maybe weren't carrying babies, they would be up in front with the older kids who could go faster than the moms who had toddlers and needed to walk slower or were carrying the babies and backpacks and snacks and water, and they needed to walk slower, they were in the way back. And then there would be people sprinkled in the middle for, you know, just the the ones that were in the middle. And so it entailed saying, hey, big kids, if mom's not with you, you need to listen to these other moms and follow the things that we've talked about for being safe. So it involves trusting our kids and then trusting other moms with our kids. But um, I think I think it was great training for all of us because we learned that we could do hard things and our kids learned to be independent and make good choices. And we learned to trust each other as moms. Yeah, I love that. So tell me about how many families were on these trips. Um, we kept our group size from between, I would say, 10 and 12 families. But we don't generally have all the families. Maybe on our book club days when we adventure through books, um, we everybody shows up. But generally, for for a, you know a weekly hike, not everybody shows up because somebody's sick or they've got some other obligation. But I would say on an average, there's always about six, seven families going, and all of us have you know three or four kids. Some people have five, so it's a, there's a lot of us, but it it's not overwhelming, honestly. 
I mean, when there's like, when there's like 12 of us and we have like 50 kids, that that's a lot. But I feel like now, because we have so many, we have such a wide age spread. I mean, we have from 17 down to a baby. The big kids now, they're totally self-sufficient and they, they go off ahead and we hardly see them sometimes until we get to the end. It, it's spread out enough that it's it's not overwhelming. Okay, so you have this big, wide range of people, families. I'm thinking if there's six families there with homeschooling, there's at least 24 kids or something. Yes. So uh, tell me a little bit about what kinds of rules and parameters do you set up ahead of time to help prevent injury even? Um, well, I think we're a pretty wild and free group. So, um, I mean, our group has been in existence actually since even before wild and free, which I feel like that's, you know, I mean, we're like the, the old guard, but that's the thing that one of the things I love about wild and free is seeing all these other groups that have formed and each group kind of creates its own culture. And so in our area, there are a lot of groups like ours and we've, a lot of us have been together for a long time. So, and each group has its own distinct culture. And in our group, we've, so it's changed as the kids have gotten older. When they were little, you know, there was usually the rule, like you had to, ha- there had to be a mom with you. If you guys were hiking ahead, big kids, you have to have a mom with you. And then as the kids get older and they were, they were able to go a little farther we said, you have to go within call of our voice. So if we all had like specific calls we use to call our kids, if you hear your call, you have to stop and and call back so we know where you are. So that became the, the rule and the next step. And then now that, you know, we have like 16 and 17 year olds, if they've looked at the map and it's somewhere we've never been before, they can do the whole thing if they know where to go. And maybe the rule is if you're taking some younger kids with you, you have to stay with them. And if they slow down, you either have to bring them back or you have to wait with them. You can't ever leave them on the trail alone. Those are some of the things that we set in place, but the rules changed as the kids have grown up. Interesting. I was thinking about one of the outings that I took with the homeschool group and we had you know, several strollers and Mm -hmm. then there were some, you know, maybe 11 to 12 year old boys and those guys ran ahead, but then some of the little kids followed them and we were like yelling for them and they didn't hear. (laughs) So what, like, have you had families actually leave the group because they felt like it was a little too wild and free for them? Yes. (laughs) Um, and, and that's okay. Like, I think it's really valuable for for you to find a place that you're comfortable. And and if it's not a good fit, then that's okay. Like this happened years ago when our kids were a lot smaller, but we had been doing it for several years and so they were still very comfortable on the trail and we were at a nature center which feels very safe. You know, the trails are marked. You can't really go off the trails. It's not a big enough space where a child could get genuinely lost in the wilderness. So in that case, we let the bigger kids go a little farther ahead, even though they were only like eight or nine. But there was a a newer family with us and um, her, some of her bigger kids went ahead. Then they had, they had all gone like literally steps off the trail and were hiding and kind of in a thicket, not hiding from us, but, but hiding in there and having like a little make-believe game. And so she didn't see them ahead and it made her very nervous. And she decided, you know, just our group wasn't the right fit for her. Or sometimes because our group 
we drive a lot because like you said, we live in Southern California. So sometimes we have to drive a distance to get to a hike. And, and honestly, if it's one of our favorite amazing hikes, like we'll drive two hours because we love a great hike, but there's other people who are like, there's no way I'm driving two hours to a hike and dealing with LA traffic. This isn't the right group for me, or they just skip that day. And again, those are all cultural things within a group. And it's okay to be honest and say, this isn't the right fit for me, or those days we don't go. We'll be back to our conversation with Greta in just a moment. But I wanted to take this opportunity to remind you about an event happening at the Wild and Free Farm Village in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia this September 11th to 13th. For those of you who love camping and getting lost in the worlds of fantasy and fiction, we're hosting a medieval adventure weekend in partnership with our friends at Felon Fair. This immersive camping experience is designed for the whole family and will include period games, costumes, good food, evening entertainment, and fun activities all throughout the weekend. But we only have a few more camping spots left, so make your reservation at bewildandfree.org medieval. Now back to Greta Eskridge. I think that's so great that you've kind of found your people. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, on that one hike I was thinking of, one of the moms was extra nervous or maybe even extra strict. And so probably some of my concern came more out of worry of offending her than it did out of actual right. fear for my children because we were in a really safe place too. Right. And also I think too, in that's a great point, Jen, is acknowledging in the group, different moms have different levels of comfort. And so... There have been times where what my kids and I would do if we were by ourselves, we change because we recognize that there are other moms who who feel differently. Like there's a cave that we want to explore and it's off the trail. And normally my kids and I would jet to it and, and we would feel safe and confident and we want to do it. But other moms were nervous and they didn't want their kids to go. So we would say, we'll set aside our desire to, to go to that cave right now. Because we want to be um, compassionate and gracious to our friends. And that's a really valuable lesson too. And sometimes that happens. And um, those are things like we just discuss as a family before or after a hike, how we would handle those situations. It's all about learning to be with other people and caring for, for other people. Yeah, I love that. One of my pet peeves is going on a hike with people who won't let their kids get wet. Oh yeah. I'm like, you want to get wet. That's fine. You get wet. You'll, you'll deal with the discomfort and maybe a little bit of dirt, but man, to not be allowed to go in water when you're sitting by a beautiful little Creek or something, unless it's a rushing river, that's going to sweep them. Right. Of course you you have to have common sense, but I agree. Like just get wet and, and yeah, learning to deal with the discomfort, like saying like, I'm going to embrace this moment and fully live in the joy of the moment and, and know that, Oh, there's going to be some some uncomfortable parts after, but it's worth it. So what are some tips that you have for, you know, avoiding or even alleviating issues on trips? Like as a group or? As um, a group or on, okay. you know, we the trip that we just went on, I mean, we ended up, we were going over the pass. So we knew we were going to be going to Hot Springs. There was a little bit deserty, but our first stop was a hike up in the mountains and it was snowing. We were all wearing shorts. Oh, nice. So, so we had this wide and we were fine, but I, I thought, man, 
if we were real hikers, I'd have like nylon zip off pants or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have a whole chapter in my book about this, whether you're dealing with, with a group scenario or, or it's just with your family. And it's about just basically that misadventures are, are a good thing. And the reason that is, is because, you know, they, again, they show us we can do hard things and misadventures really draw us together, sometimes even more so than when everything goes according to plan, because in the midst of struggle, we pull to, we pull together and then they make, they make great stories later. And that's actually one of our family mottos is it will make a great story later because in the moment you might be struggling, but if you can have the ability to look beyond the now and to say, okay, this is hard right now, but, but we're, we're going to laugh about this later. And in years to come, it's going to be one of our favorite things to, to look back on and to remember that pulls you through. And it's, it's true that those moments, like you're not going to forget the hike in the snow with shorts because it's funny. Like you're, you're going to laugh about it. And those are the things that are actually good. So Changing your, shifting your attitude is the first step. Just recognizing that when things go wrong, it's okay. And then as far as being prepared, yeah, like having just a few key elements that I I think make any adventure um, less likely to be a complete disaster. Always bring a sweatshirt or a jacket, even if it's boiling hot, because you never know when the weather will change (laughs) or it'll be snowing. That doesn't happen to us very much, honestly, the snow, but, but we live by the beach and you never know when it's going to be cold. So always bring a jacket, even if you don't think you need one, uh, always have snacks and always pack double water. Oh, and a first aid kit. So four things, always, always travel with those, those things. Even if you're going to a museum and not an outdoor activity, like any activity, I say, have those four things and you're good to go. Oh, that's great. Absolutely. Such good basics right there. One of the things that we did on this hike we just did a week or so ago was crossing a creek. And it, was, it wasn't it was going to kill anybody. It wasn't mm-hmm. that fast. But it's definitely outside of the comfort zone of my second oldest daughter who has processing disorder. So mm-hmm. everything, you know, feels a little bit... Because she has inner ear and a processing right. disorder, it makes her feel out of balance. Yeah. And so hopping from a rock to a rock across a right. little chasm on a stream feels really scary for her. How do you guys accommodate special needs kids on your nature hikes? I think that's such a great question. Um, again, this goes to um, group culture. And in fact, when our group, this was, I don't know, probably five years ago. I, I can't remember exactly. But our group was growing a lot more in terms of our um, our ability and our desire to do longer and harder hikes. And um, Jen Naraki was in our group. If you, some of you guys will, will remember Jen um, from Wild and Free Conferences. And her oldest had a processing disorder as well. And the hikes were not just not enjoyable for him, but they were a struggle. And Jen decided rather than say the whole group needs to not do these things that give you um, so much joy and have become really the culture of this group, she decided to join a different nature group in our area. And it was a group that didn't enjoy hiking nearly as much and um, preferred to just take a shorter walk to a spot in nature and sit and journal. And the bigger kids that could explore 
would explore and the moms and the other kids would sort of stay real close. And um, that group has a a few kids that uh, are physically unable to do longer, harder hikes. So she left our group and joined that group. And honestly, it was difficult because we missed her and we missed her boys, but we also understood where she was coming from. So I think that shows two examples of how you could manage it. One, you could say, this group isn't the right fit for us, and we're going to find a group that fits our needs better. And and to be able to walk through that without hurt feelings and without anger, but with understanding and grace, that's one way you can deal with it. And then you could also deal with it the way our, our friends group does, which is to say, okay, we're going to hike into a spot and hunker down here. And the kids that are more able to explore farther afield, they can. And the other ones that need to stay closer, they'll sit and hang out closer with us moms. So I think those are two ways you can you can manage it. Also, you can look for trails that are adapted for things like wheelchairs or wagons. Those exist too. Not as many, but they are definitely out there and more and more all the time. I love that. These are such good tips for becoming a nature community that's inclusive and encouraging. And really, I think for all of us, some really sweet ideas for just developing our own communities, whether it's just you and a friend or you Mm -hmm. and 25 other children. (laughs) Yeah. And I have in the book, um, I mean, because my, my book is about adventuring with your kids and that I love that we're talking so much about adventuring as a group because our adventures together, they haven't been just me and the kids. A lot of them are um, because we adventure in addition to our weekly groups with our friends, but a, a lot are with our large group of friends. And and that has built relationship, not just with my kids and their friends and me and my friends, but it's also built relationship with me and my kids because we're still together while we're with that larger group. And I I talk about that, why it's really important for you not to just um, adventure with you and your family, your immediate family, but to create your own adventure club of sorts or your own wild and free group where you are connecting with other people who share your values and desire to connect with your kids away from screens and away from busy schedules and just get out and be intentional in your time that you spend together. I love that. I'm always inspired talking to you, Greta. And I know that families will be encouraged as they read your book, Adventuring Together. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. I love talking to you, Jen, always. Thanks, Greta. We're so grateful for the way you're inspiring a whole new generation of families to live outside the box and start exploring together. Friends, this book is a manifesto, not only for reclaiming adventure, but also the very heart of our families. You can order it now wherever books are sold. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us again next week for the Wild and Free podcast.